Well, I had the great pleasure of interviewing a, a gentleman by the name of Nick Johnson. And Nick is the number one international best-selling author. He's an Ironman top 1% world athlete. And he's an executive mental health advocate. So he's the co-founder and managing director of one of Asia's premier networking organizations called Executives Global Network or EGN and in Singapore. And so that's really whereby he works in in a confidential peer group kind of network and uh, helping develop people and so forth and giving them an avenue or a forum to be able to speak with each other. But his passion is for mental health awareness and through his life experiences, he's paved a way really to author a, well, his first and uh, number one international bookselling book. And it was published in April 2021 and it's called Executive Loneliness. The, par- the five pathways to overcome isolation, stress, anxiety, and depression in the modern business world. And so when Nick and I were having a discussion and we were in this episode, it was really quite interesting to see what was coming up with. So the title of this episode, as you know, is Executive Loneliness, Breaking the Stigma. And um, what he had done, he, he was talking to me about how he had surveyed many executives and, and in addition to the book, and he's got things in the book as well about it. But um, he was talking about how a lot of leaders actually suffer and around mental health and so forth. And he surveyed them and 84% of them said that they would not talk to anyone at work about it. And then 75% of them would said that they would not seek professional help with just amazing stats. And so he shared some other things as well. But we also talked about what it was like also for a female versus a male executive as well and how they may handle things. But he also talked about reaching out and surrounding yourself with the right people. And so the right people being possibly a coach or possibly professional in the mental health area, depending what you need. And uh, so he and I talked about that. But I'm also just going to say this thing to you listeners before we go and listen to the interview, is that if there is anyone out there that needs to talk or needs some help, with me as a coach to help be there for you and just listen to you because sometimes all these execs need all that you might need is someone just to talk through things with and just to bounce ideas off in a confidential kind of scenario you see i'm not your boss your compensation and benefits aren't associated with me but i'm actually able to do this independently listen to what you're saying asking you some really good questions and then if you do need more help that's definitely one thing you need to go and do. But, you know, sometimes it's just, it can be, and I'm not saying this is always the same, right? And if you do need professional help, I'm going to really highly encourage you to go and get that. But if you're someone who just wants to talk through things just to help you out, you may be feeling overwhelmed and so forth, a lot of pressure on you. You may be self-doubting yourself. Your confidence is not being knocked a little bit as well. Feel free to reach out to me on a private message on social media or my email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. That will be in the show notes, but I'd love to have a chat with you if I can. And, and if I can do anything to help you. All right, team, it's now time to listen to the interview. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another wonderful episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. And I'm here with a wonderful guest. His name is Nick Johnson. And Nick, a massive welcome to you. Thank you so much for inviting me, Dennis. It's great to be here. Awesome. Now, Nick, what about to you in the world today? 
I'm in Singapore as of the day. I came back here two days ago after a trip to Indonesia and I'm off to Malaysia tomorrow. Oh, awesome. So around that whole Southeast Asia hub, really, really cool. That's very good. Yeah. And how long have you been in Singapore for? Uh, I lived here for about five years now. I started my career actually overseas in Australia on the Gold Coast in 98, studying overseas. And then I was working there. It was hard to leave the place, but I ended up in Southeast Asia since 2004. And that's where I've been working for various big international advertising and uh, communication firms. Oh, yeah, cool. So tell us a little bit more about your background. I've given the, uh, the listeners a quick introduction to you, but tell us more about you. Yeah, so um, I was born in Sweden, but I wanted to spread my wings a little bit. And, uh, you know, being a little bit resentful against the, the system and my parents, I wanted to rebel. So I thought, you know, I looked at a map and I saw Australia was as far away as I could get. I, I or Even I, actually New Zealand would have been even a step further. But I ended up in Australia. Then that's where I studied and uh, played golf, enjoyed myself. But then I really needed to also get into the working life and I got a job in Bangkok with an advertising company and I spent about 15 years in various jobs in Southeast Asia, working my way up to become a general manager, general director, taking on some quite big leadership roles. Yeah, very good. Now, we'll get into those leadership roles and all that in a minute, but I see that you're an international best-selling author and the book is Executive Loneliness, The Five Pathways to Overcoming Isolation, Stress, Anxiety and Depression in the modern business world. And listeners, I know that some of you are actually probably thinking, oh, that's something I want to read as well. So yeah, very good. So Nick, that's that's good. And congratulations on the, being a number one best-selling author. Uh, that's fantastic. Thank you. And uh, and the book also came out of an, of inspiration. I, I went through a personal challenging time when I divorced. I, I resigned from a job. And with that, I found my qual- myself basically quite lonely. I was a bit lost. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in my life. And most of us go through these times and no surprise, it came to me in my early 40s. And, and, and I could realize when I went through this phase that it could have gone worse. I, I lost my fitness. I lost my health. And uh, my regular exercise after work instead turned into going to the bar and have drinks. And while that might have been innocent from the beginning, it became a bad habit. So, and I, I basically had two, three years when I was jumping from job to job before I found myself again. And at the end of my journey, when I was coming back on, there was a friend of mine who didn't make it through, a friend who sadly died of suicide. And that's inspired me to look into this topic survey and surveyed senior executives working under pressure and uh, also then to interview a lot of executives working, especially based in Southeast Asia in all those regional jobs, which are quite stressful. And that is what I put in the book. So it's it's my journey and hopefully shedding some positive light in, in, in how to get out of when we can find ourselves in a challenging gap. Yeah, okay. I'm going to come back to those interviews in a minute because I think it's really important for us to sort of have a little bit more of a chat about that. Now, tell me, the change, what do you like with change? Do you like change and how do you handle it? Well, I think the natural answer to anyone who is a leader or a manager we would say, yes, I'm addicted to change. I can handle change. But if we really take a look at ourselves, I mean, it is uncomfortable. And I think that perhaps the older we get, the more uncomfortable it is. But it is what is happening everywhere. And it's so much change. And we just have to do the best we can to go through it. And I say that you've got to surround yourself with the right people when you're going through change and maybe a coach, a mentor, or someone who can hold your hand, someone so that you can at least not to go through everything yourself. 
Yeah, you don't need to do it yourself. There are others that can help you. I think, though, there are a lot of people who are a little bit afraid or maybe there's an ego or there's something in the way of actually putting their hand up and asking for for that help. But just know, listeners, that you can ask for the help if you want to, and it's available out there for sure. Now, Nick, I'm going to come back to the interviews in a minute, but the other thing I wanted to ask or say here is that you're an Ironman top 1% world athlete. Tell us a little more about that. Well, you know, I... I, I do most of the things today extreme. I have done when I studied. It was I wanted to be top of the class when I worked. I wanted to, do, you know, get to the top. And I always been driving myself quite hard. And uh, so when I a couple of years ago I went into a gym and they I had fill in a form where they asked, you know, what's your what's your fitness goal? And at that time I couldn't even run five kilometers. So I I put down run a marathon. And the, the fitness instructor looked at me in a little bit funny in a funny way and. And then I also knew that it was a sport called triathlon at the longest distance that is called an Ironman. So I also put that, down that and that completely blew him off. But I, I, I and uh, so I signed up for a triathlon before I even could swim. So that's just me, oh. Dennis, and I threw myself into it. Oh, I love it. Before you could even swim, you signed up for a triathlon. That's putting yourself out there and uh, really setting a goal, which is really amazing to see. Well done. Now, the interviews, let's go back to that. So I think that's really important that you've been doing these interviews with people and executives, what have been the one, two or three top things that sort of come up for them as they struggle for some of them? Can you just share those? Yeah, sure. And um, I mean, one of the questions I asked was, you know, um, how they are feeling in the job as in regards to suffering from loneliness. And what I found was that about 30% of the senior executives I surveyed then in Singapore either were or have been suffering from loneliness in the workplace. I then redid this study in 2020 when we were during the pandemic and the lockdowns and that number had doubled. So we can clearly see here that many of the executives, no surprise then, who were working from home, of course, they were going through more challenging times. So that's perhaps one finding uh, that that we're not so surprised about, Dennis. But when I then had a follow-up question to ask them, Okay, if you're not feeling well mentally, is this something that you will talk to your boss, your HR, or anyone in your company about? 84% said they would not talk about this. Wow. 84%? Yep. That is huge. So, so if they're not talking yeah. to anyone about that, well, what are they doing? Well, and, and the, another scary thing is that then another follow-up question, 75% would also not seek professional help for it. So it's the stigma here is blocking about it. So you're realizing that you're suffering, but you're not going to talk to anyone in your company about it. You're also not going to seek professional help for it. That means you're suffering in isolation. And that is due to the stigma surrounding this topic. And that is the core issue. Here. And that's why I wanted to push forward in writing the book about it. I think there's people that I talk to as well, and I think in relation to what you just shared there, that of that 84% that won't talk to anyone and to, to anyone internally. Sometimes they'd say they don't want to talk to their peers because they don't want to be seen as weak. They don't want to go to HR because in case there's another issue. And then they don't want to go to their boss because their compensation and benefits are associated with that person. So they don't want to have a problem there either. So, yeah, but then again, 75% don't want to seek professional help. That is huge. And so there are a lot of lonely people out there for sure. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, one of the purpose of my book is to break the stigma so that we can have conversations about it like you and I have today, Dennis. So thank you for covering this topic because that's the only way we can get over this. It's becoming comfortable talking about it. There are some positive signs here though, and, and the pandemic had perhaps propelled this, that we can now have a one-on-one session with a coach, a mentor, or even a, 
psychologist or a therapist or someone who we want to speak with on Zoom. That means we can have it perhaps anonymously in the comfort of our home. We don't have to go to a medical clinic, for example, and be seen in the waiting room, which people then perhaps are scared to do. So there is there is a trend that people at least can get this help. And it's a little bit okay also to say that you're not okay. You can say that you're going through a burnout. It's becoming more more commonly accepted now than perhaps before the pandemic. Now, I know that, I, you know, I'm thinking about myself as well, about going to the doctor with that tumor that I was, you know, that you and I have we've talked about. It's, it's, it, for me, it was, it was about going to the doctor. It was a little bit hard and do I want to go there? And I think men don't go to the doctor as much or as easy as others. When you looked at those stats that you talked about in the surveys, male versus female, did you capture anything like that? Would the females be more open to actually wanting to say things where the males wouldn't? Yes, in in general, it seems like female have a few close friends who they are vulnerable with, who they are a little bit more honest with. Uh, Men, we seem to have friends, perhaps we play golf or uh, perhaps we go to the sports bar, we watch a game and we have a good time together with our friends, but we might not necessarily talk about the challenging parts, the difficult things that are on our mind. We're trying to not bother other people with that, not our friends and perhaps with our family as well. So indeed, it seems like the women are speaking up more. And if you have a friend who is a good friend and you're telling them that you're not feeling well, well, naturally, they're going to be there to listen and they're going to give you that sympathy, which perhaps is half the cure already. They're most likely also going to give you a few phone numbers. Hey, or I come with you to the doctor. Why don't we go through this together? So indeed, you are quite right there. It, it is more challenging for men. Okay, cool. So listeners, um, and, I'm th- and I'm thinking about uh, a little bit here, Nick, about the listeners who are listening to this. If any of them are struggling today, I'll give my opinion, but in your thoughts, in your opinion, what should they do today? If they are struggling right now, where should they go? Well, I would say I have a very strong message in, in my book about this as well. And I always say that if there's something on your mind, Write it down on a paper first, put it down immediately. And then the next question to yourself is, who can I discuss this with? Is it an anonymous hotline? Is it a doctor? Is it a friend? Is it a colleague? Is it a family member? Doesn't matter who it is. Write it down, stick it in your pocket and immediately take action to share that. Then you're on your way already to solve it. The worst you can do is sitting having it to yourself. Absolutely. So what I would add to that is that you know what Nick's sharing is spot on. And I th- would say to you is that just take that step forward. I know it's easy for Nick and I to say it, but probably not easy for you to do. But that's okay. Just know that there will be someone there to help you. And if you're a leader who has somebody in your team that you're noticing that they are going through things, please be smart about this and don't try and be the counsellor. Make sure that they're going to get the right professional help around them. Yes, you might be there to be supporting them, because more than likely they trust you and they're opening up to you, but make sure you get the right professional help around them. Alrighty, Nick, let's move on here. And the, you were talking about some exec roles and some leadership roles that you were doing in the past. So how did you actually get into leadership? Well, I think it's all the way back to university when I started in Australia. I I wanted to get the scholarships. I wanted to be head of class. I, I was sort of an insecure overachiever already that time and I think that is what fuels and what drives many senior leaders that insecurity and uh, perhaps if we have a hunger or a gift of desperation or something inside us that just drives us 
And uh, I, I jumped from job to job when I was in my younger years, construction worker, painter, and so on. And I realized that's not how I wanted to live. I wanted to get, get a better life for myself. And I realized in the end that the government was not going to give it to me. I, if I wanted something, I had to work hard for it myself. And that's why I've I been working very, very hard. And already when I graduated from university, I, I knew I wanted to become a managing director. And I, and I wanted to take that path that, that, with everything that came with that. Okay, good. Very good. Alrighty, so let's move on to the next question. So thanks for sharing that about you and your leadership side of things. And it's about you stepping up, going into different roles and so forth. Now, this, this question is very interesting. Now, this person could be of alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Well, there is an American uh, former pro athlete. His name is Rich Roll, and he has a podcast over in America. He's an uh, ultra-endurance athlete, which I look up to. But what inspires me with him is his vulnerability and his transparency and his honesty, because it is very challenging for a, a top leader, and he, he runs very, very good company. He's also a, a vegan. He's a, a nutritionist, and he's encouraging people to live very healthy lives. But really to be that the level of honesty that he's sharing about his personal journey all the way from when he was a, a professional top swimmer, one of American's best swimmers, and then for his career. And he later on had a, had a crash. He fell into alcoholism and He's sharing very honestly how he got out of this. So he basically turned uh, the challenges of his life into his strengths. And that is why people can, including myself, can associate myself with him. And uh, I get a lot of hope when I uh, see someone as vulnerable as him as a leader. Excellent. Now, have you met him personally? I have not. He's over in the US and I would love to come on his show one day. Okay, cool. Let's say that you both of you are sitting on a park bench in the US and you are sitting there having a coffee together. What would be one question that Nick would like to ask him? Well, it would certainly be, you know, uh, how did you decide or, or what made you decide to open up, to share the fact that you had, you know, all your alcohol addiction stories? Because again, we're talking about the stigma surrounding mental health and perhaps the stigma surrounding for someone, especially us male, that we have an alcohol addiction or a problem with that, or even use the term, I'm an alcoholic, that is so much stigma. But, and he went out and did that, you know, eight, ten, eight to nine, ten years ago, he went out and said openly and shocked everyone saying, you know, I'm an alcoholic and, and I got, now got help for it. I don't drink anymore, but this is what happened. And I, I want to really understand what, how did you have the confidence to do so? Yeah, very good. That's a great question. What made you want to open up? Yeah, very good. Uh, I think that's that. Maybe you should ask that question very soon uh, with them for sure. Now, Nick, the title of the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I mentioned that title, that statement, what does it mean for you? Well, for a start, Dennis, I think you are quite right. We have perhaps never seen more change in leadership, and it's so fast these days. It's the speed it goes, it doesn't matter if it's in governance or in company, it's just moving so fast and it's almost impossible to plan one year, three years, five year plans in companies. We have no idea where we're going to be. There's so many mergers, acquisitions, many of the changes are driven by technology that indeed it's about being flexible, adoptable, agile and 
I think the the future leaders now, the organizations are the one the ones that are going to be the strongest are the one who have a lot of creativity, who can be innovative, and who can actually engage the teams in in driving this innovation. Yeah, that innovation is going to be important, and the creativity as well. Now, you just mentioned as well that it's getting faster and faster, and of course, data, social technology, full stop, is getting so fast. Now, you sort of mentioned it, but would there be anything else you want to add to that to say what a leader needs to do to be successful in a fast-paced change of the changing world? What else should they do? Well, I think because the most of the teams are working remotely at least half of the time, some company the whole time. So how can you capture the creativity and the ideas from the team on the ground when they are working from home? If you were in the factory in the past, you can walk around, you can do your rounds, you can walk around having a coffee here, chit-chat, getting to know your teams. But if you have a remote team working all around the world, how do you connect with them uh, to first get the trust for them to open up to you? That, that These are some of the biggest challenges. And of course now, and that's why I'm traveling a lot and I'm traveling to see my team in Malaysia tomorrow. We got to get them on the ground. We're going to work with them. We cannot just sit at home and, and delegate the tasks. That's not being innovative and creative. We need to really capture their ideas. Yeah, yeah. So be interesting. I think a lot of organizations are finding it hard to bring some people back to the office. And some teams, you know, I like what you say about cre- how do you capture their creativity when they're working from home. I think it'd be also how do you lead them effectively? How do you get them to thrive while they're working from home? Uh, we've had practice for two years or almost three years by being home, but how else can we take it to another level going forward? And I think it's something definitely for people to think. Mm. Yes. Now, you and I have been talking about leadership. We've been talking about leaders. Let's change lens or let's change gear. And let's think about it now from an employee's perspective. You said you're going to go to Malaysia to meet your team. Let's think about from an employee's perspective, right? How has employees' expectations of leaders changed of late? Well, it also have changed. And people are, you know, expecting perhaps, um, you know, performance reviews at the faster pace. They uh, need more recognition because you don't see them. You cannot go in in the morning and just cheer on them and chit-chat. You do, you're missing that. So you really need to create a structure where you can give constant feedback, maybe daily KPIs, weekly KPIs, gamifications, recognitions, where people feel that they are part of something. So what we have done in my organization, for example, Dennis, where we are, we are selling memberships to senior executives where they belong in confidential peer groups, and all my team are involved in this and we have set up KPIs that the team has agreed with and we even have a daily report, weekly reports, monthly recognitions and and people need to see this. They need to understand clearly where they're going. They need to have clear KPIs and they they really need to be given that constant feedback. Otherwise, they don't feel that they're part of something and they will naturally switch off. That's what I've seen. Tell us a bit more about this confidential group or togetherness. I think it's called the Executive Global Network, is that correct, the EGN? Yes, that's right. So it's, it is a network for senior executives to belong to a place where they can feel that they can speak freely. So everyone signed a non-disclosure agreement. There's no competitor in the same group. About 30 executives at the same level. So we have groups for CEOs. We have groups for vice presidents. We have groups even for senior managers. And that should be your safe space. It should be like your private advisory board, they meet face-to-face six times a year for half a day. And inside these meetings, really, they discuss then the challenges they have, 
everything from, you know, uh, related to what we discussed here, here today uh, in regards to the leadership change, technological changes, but also how do you put parameters around yourself? How do you protect yourself? How do you manage upward, upwards in this environment? All these topics is for them to discuss inside this safe space. Yeah, and, and so then by sharing with their peers, they're obviously getting some good input from others and uh, sort of masterminding together. Would that be the right way of saying it? Yes, it's quite similar, like a mastermind group. Uh, the biggest difference is that we then administrate it, organize it. We also certify the shares, which are sort of the moderators. So it's really facilitated to make sure the structure is there. And it's very much follows the Harvard Advanced Management Program structure for this part of the meeting. Yeah, very good. Now, what I'd like you to do is get your crystal ball out here, and we want to talk about the future. Even what you just shared about the EGN side of thing, I think that could be part of the future as well. But also, I'm really quite keen to know, where do you see leadership being in five years? Well, I certainly think that, you know, we live in an economy, as and I touched on this, with so many mergers and acquisitions and Agile is, is indeed the word for it, but it's a gig economy where people are, they cannot rely on working 20, 30 years for the same company because company might not even exist. So people need to stand more on their feet for themselves. They need to be responsible for their own career, their own working life. And we see that if we're looking on LinkedIn, how much effort people are putting into thought leadership pieces, they're having coaches, they're getting like you and me also, Dennis, involved in professional speaking associations and whatever it is, these things are so much more important now than it was in the past for a leader because you just never know when you're going to get the phone call that are we acquired now, sorry, you're out of work. And if we have children then perhaps in school and so on as a leader and we're living especially as an expat in another country and we have two months to find something else, we need to be therefore more independent. And that's why I can link this back to EGN where we have these peer groups and I see it's an uptake in all of these kind of networks because leaders realize that they need to be connected. They need to constantly upskill themselves to be ready for this fast-paced new world. Okay, so there you go, listeners. Make sure that you're upskilling yourself on a regular basis to make sure that you're staying relevant because that's part of my extra introduction around the show is that many leaders are not changing quick enough and staying relevant. So in other words, they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. And I think the thing here is that they do stay relevant by upskilling themselves. Would you also suggest that maybe they might, for some of them, they might want to start a side hustle, like another business or things like that, they might want to do on the, on the side. So then if anything does happen in the sense of where their corporate job is and work, then they've got something else to be able to go to if they want to. Absolutely, if they can do so, and you need to make sure that you clear this with your company and you have it in writing and contracts, so you don't lose it. I heard many leaders who spend a big effort putting up a podcast and things like that, and they do a great job, and then the company tell them that you're not allowed to do that. So clear everything to make sure that you have the rights to do it, and then do so. And we have an event here in Singapore tonight, actually, with my organization called The Next Phase, which is exactly about this. Quite a lot of the senior leaders who don't want to jump into perhaps uh, you know, uh, the pension phase. Instead, they want to perhaps contribute something for themselves, but also pay it forward for the community and, and perhaps as a moder moderator or as a facilitator or as a mentor or a coach 
So in that sense, yes, build up your profile now and, and keep having doors, doors open for yourself. You know how you before you mentioned about LinkedIn and how some people are using that more of late? Well, I think they use it more full stop. How important is it for executives today to make sure that they are have a presence on LinkedIn, but also are actually active on LinkedIn as well? Well, I think it's essential. We have about 800 members now in Singapore, and most of them presidents, vice presidents, managing directors, regional directors, and at that level, then responsible for APAC, basically. I only come across one person without a LinkedIn profile in the last two, three years. And when I dug into why he didn't have a LinkedIn profile, and it was because he had done something illegal in one job, you know, and then therefore also we didn't allow him to become a member of the network. So people think people will almost think it's like strange if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, it's almost like, what is wrong with you? So I, I think it'd be very hard to have a corporate career these days without it. Now, I actually have people saying to me, oh, do I have to have a LinkedIn? I go, no, you don't. You don't have to do any of this if you don't want to. But then if you want to be in the executive world, if you're wanting to be out there to do things, yes, you do need to do this stuff. And then the other thing too is, oh, but I don't want to be on it all day. Well, then don't be on it all day. We're not saying you have to be on it all day. Just do what you need to do on a regular basis. But I think the big thing would be, be consistent. Whatever you decide to do, that if you are consistent, it's really important that you look at things and, and take it from there. Absolutely. I agree. Mm. Well, Nick, hey, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? While talking about LinkedIn, Dennis, they can find me there. It's Nick Johnson and uh, it's N-I-C-K and Johnson then spelled J-O-N-S-S-O-N. So that's one place where they can connect with me. Otherwise, if they go to Amazon, they can just look up uh, Executive Loneliness, my book. It's also on Audible now as an audio book for those executives who like to do it over a morning jog, perhaps. Very good. There you go. Listeners, so we have a LinkedIn profile that'll be in the show notes, and then also we'll put in the show notes as well the access to the book as well. So Nick, once again, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Thank you, Dennis. There you go, listeners. Well, if there is any loneliness as an executive, as a leader, there are certain things that we've been talking about today. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.